Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's go. What's happening, everyone? We're less than a week away from NBA tip off, and I, for one, can't wait for a new season. We're going to be putting out tons of episodes and basketball related content all throughout the NBA calendar. And today, we're going to be diving into some long-term bets for season awards. Kind of that last week of the off-season fun. But before I get going there, don't forget to follow, share, rate, review, and subscribe. You can find me on Twitter at Greg O. Silver, G-R-E-G-O-H-S-I-L-V-E-R. And let me know if any basketball or betting-related content you'd like to see featured on future episodes. You can find the show on Believe.com or go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other major streaming platforms. Okay, so here's the thing with these season-long awards. Being in a good situation truly favors some more than others. MVP, yes, you most certainly have to be on a winning team to get that award. Defensive Player of the Year, yes, your situation matters. Sixth man of the year, it doesn't hurt in theory, but it's not a huge deal. Uh, Rookie of the year, certainly not a big deal. What about most improved? I would say it can indirectly be beneficial, but it's not a deal breaker on that award either. So let's get into this. For each major award, I'm going to give you my hots, my knots, and my dark horses, along with some names that I'm a little more neutral on. So Let's start with the big award, which is the MVP, and we're going to be using odds from Caesars Sportsbook here. So last year, the winner was Denver's big man, Nikola Jokic. He got a back-to-back MVP. Let's go with some hots. The first name I'm going to give you is Joel Embiid. He's at plus 575, and Embiid sort of reminds me of his now teammate, James Harden, in that 2015 to 2018 stretch when He was hovering around the MVP discussion for so long until he finally got one. So injuries are a fair concern for the big man out of Philly, but the 76ers as a team look set up for success. And as long as Embiid is out on the floor, you know exactly what you're getting from a guy who averaged 30 and 11 last year, second in MVP voting and arguably could have won the award. But that's not actually my number one pick. For this award, and a lot of people might be thinking of some different names I'm about to say, but I would like to talk about a guy at plus 900 named Kevin Durant. He just turned 34 two weeks ago. The last time there was an MVP over the age of 30, it was Steve Nash back in the 2005-2006 NBA season. So why would I be so high on Kevin Durant right now? What about this age argument? Well, He's going to get used to such a large degree as long as he's on the floor because, number one, his organization is unpredictable and dysfunctional. Two, a co-star like Ben Simmons is a talented player, but he's not a scorer. And unless Ben Simmons can all of a sudden develop a crazy jump shot, Kevin Durant's going to need to be scoring a lot of points for Brooklyn to be staying in and winning games. Three, This is a guy who can get his shot off at any time he wants, and he could score 27 a night in his sleep. But for me, it goes much deeper than that. 
Think about it. Kevin Durant and the Nets got swept by the Celtics in the first round of the playoffs. And then he watched his former team go all the way to the center of the bracket and win another championship, further cementing their dynasty. So following that, you start hearing all this talk about how the Warriors didn't need Kevin Durant, how Steph Curry makes everyone around him better, but KD doesn't. Uh, it further invalidates the two rings that he won in Golden State, et cetera, et cetera. I personally don't think a lot of that narrative is true or fair, but what we know as spectators is that Kevin Durant is sensitive to what people say about him. So I'm drawn to this MVP pick because KD isn't just some good player who's had a few years in the league. He is one of the greatest, most unique players we have ever seen play this game, and nobody, nobody should be taking that for granted. This man cares about basketball so much that it doesn't matter where he's playing or the fact that he wanted to be somewhere else a few months ago. I believe that he's about to remind the league who he really is. And amid all the noise in Brooklyn, he might just let his game do the talking. Kevin Durant plus 900. That is my MVP pick. And I am all in on one of the greats we have ever seen to play this game. Let's move to some of my knots. So first off, I'm actually going to go with the odds leader. That's Luka Doncic at plus 475. Again, we're using Caesar Sportsbook right now. So depending on where you bet, these odds might vary a little bit. Now, of all the knots on my list, he's the one I'm probably the most optimistic about. I can understand why he is the betting favorite for the third consecutive year. Slow starts have harmed his MVP campaign in the past two years, and he finished no higher than fourth in the voting. So the reason I don't really love it is because his workload is so heavy and the Mavs rely so much on Luka to be good, but that could be a greater risk for injury from someone who's actually pretty young. And last year he missed 17 games when he was dealing with some ankle injuries. Another thing is I think he put people on notice in the playoffs upsetting Phoenix and getting all the way to the Western Conference Finals, but along with that he kind of had people see the flaws in his game a little bit more. And I want to see how he adjusts when teams force the ball out of his hands. He, again, they are so dependent on him to be great and always have the ball and the offense running through him. But I'm curious to see if teams are going to start catching on to that. And then Luca will have to adjust back to the league. The MVP pick, you know, I know a lot of people are going to do it. Personally, it's just not my go-to. Another knot I have is actually Mr. Back-to-Back MVP himself, and that's Nikola Jokic. So what we've noticed a lot in recent history is that back-to-back MVPs are actually somewhat common, and then the stakes get real high. So the last time somebody won three consecutive MVPs was Larry Bird back in 1984 through 1986. So here's the thing with Nikola Jokic. It's not just that the stakes are getting higher and people are going to be expecting even, you know, more transcendent levels of greatness. Jamal Murray is also coming back. And if he is who we think he is, Jokic won't have to do as much offensively. And that's ultimately a great thing for him. And it's a great thing for the Denver Nuggets. The only thing I don't love about it is his MVP chances, which is an individual award. 
My third out of four knots on my list would be John Morant at plus 1,500. And I almost went the other way on this one, saying that was odds and value I liked. But here's the thing. He is incredibly electric when he's out on the floor. But I just don't trust his health. And you have to play a lot of games to be the MVP. I just said it with Luka Doncic. John Morant, despite his youth, because of his play style and the way he jumps out the gym and can fly down the floor, has been more prone to injury. I don't know if I can see him playing 65 plus games. And I would love that as a fan. But would I put my money on that and risk it? I just don't think so. My last one is the reigning finals MVP. That is Stephen Curry. His odds are at plus 1600. Look, Steph is obviously the kind of player you never want to count out. He has proven people wrong over and over. At this point, winning that finals MVP, I'm not sure there's really anything he has left to prove. But the Warriors have made it clear over these last eight years what their priority is, and that's winning championships. So I don't think they're going to overuse their 34-year-old perennial superstar when you have so many other talented players on this roster, and they know that they don't need to win 65 games in the regular season. Just keep the team healthy, get the chemistry right, let these younger players have a shot at getting key minutes in the regular season so they can be ready come playoff time. I love Steph Curry. He has truly changed the game, and I think it's really hard to say anything negative about the guy, but having won two MVPs already and what he has done to set the bar so high. I just think it's a really long shot for him to win an MVP this season. Dark horses. Well, let's talk about a guy at plus 3000. That is Zion Williamson. And I know this will be a popular dark horse pick. So like with John Morant, I am concerned with Zion's health, but the odds here are a better value. He has double the odds as John Morant and I think his physical dominance makes him a great candidate for filling up a lot of categories in the box score. So if you're looking to put down a little money and gain a lot, betting on the health of Zion Williamson, people are saying he looks fit. Their Pelicans are a really exciting team. They're making a lot of noise in the preseason. I do not hate this pick. My second dark horse is all the way at plus 7,500, but that's Anthony Edwards. And I've shared my opinions on the Timberwolves in recent episodes, but MVP is an individual award, and it's all love for Anthony Edwards. He's young. He's only getting better. He can easily score 30, and the Timberwolves should win enough games in the regular season to put him in the conversation for the award. They don't have to be a top two seed in the West for Anthony Edwards to be considered. This guy is only getting better. He is ascending and again, if you're looking to put down a little bit of money and potentially cash out big, not the worst player to invest in. I really only have one neutral here, and that is a guy who's commonly referenced as the best player in the world right now, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak. Look, he can do everything at the highest level except for shoot the ball. And I had the number one pick in my fantasy basketball draft the other day. I selected Giannis because he's simply too reliable. The only thing going against him is that he's won the award twice already. So when I was discussing Jokic and Curry, uh, that arbitrary bar might be set a little bit higher for him. And now having won a championship, 
I think that a player like Giannis, that's going to be his main focus is just winning the championship and not getting that individual award. So there you have it. My hots, my knots, my neutrals, and my dark horses, and my pick, Kevin Durant. Look out. Let's go to Defensive Player of the Year. Last year, this went to Marcus Smart of the Celtics, and it's rare that a guard wins this award. So, again, maybe a little bit of a surprise with my hot and my pick, given what I've said about this team in recent episodes. But Rudy Gobert is the odds favorite at plus 500. And it might come as a shock, given what I said about Rudy Gobert, but the Timberwolves move to acquire him gave up so much they invested so much in Rudy Gobert to be a defensive stopper and you don't trade five picks to have somebody who's not on the floor very often so defensive player of the year is one of those awards where previous recognition actually doesn't matter as much as MVP I don't think the precedent really affects it I think year after year you see the same names hovering around that core group of who could be in the running for defensive player of the year. So Rudy Gobert is a three-time depoy. He could very well make it four. And defense is something that usually doesn't just go away for that elite tier in the NBA. We get to see the same names over and over. Rudy Gobert is the odds favorite. And because of what the Timberwolves invested in him, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up capturing his fourth award here some of the knots well this is robert williams at plus 1000 and i want to be very clear that this has nothing to do with what i've seen from the celtics big man over the course of his career and particularly in these last playoffs i think robert williams is a special young player who if he can stay healthy enough to play 40 minutes in big games is going to be a massive force to be reckoned with However, there's a couple things, and the first is the most important. Volume of games matters. you got to be on the floor to win these awards, and he's going to miss the first 7 to 11 weeks of the season, meaning he'd have to play a lot of catch-up with some of these other premier defenders in the league. I also just don't like the fact that we don't really know what to expect from the Celtics because of what went down with Ime Yudoka and now a last-minute coaching change. So. Uh, I think Robert Williams is tremendous, but seven to 11 weeks is a long time from a guy who has been battling injuries over the course of his career. That's probably a bet I would stay away from. A couple of dark horses I'd like to go for are Jarrett Allen on the Cavaliers at plus 3,500. So his teammate Evan Mobley is at plus 1,200. So my thought process here with Allen is that I see value. I think he's kind of been one of those underrated players for the bulk of his career. I loved him when he was on the Nets. I think he's done great things in Cleveland. So he would probably have to do a lot of special things and maybe some highlight plays to be in the running of that conversation for Depoy. But I don't think it's a completely unrealistic possibility. And I like it as a dark horse. Well, another one is someone I'm surprised the odds are just so far-fetched because it's Kawhi Leonard at plus 8,000. So he's coming off a torn ACL, missed all of last season, but these odds are such great value. And when he's on the floor, he's as elite a defender as there is. But 
Load management could be a concern for betters. So maybe that's why the odds are pushed a little bit higher. However, if you're looking for a dark horse bet, I don't see any problem with someone who is a two-time finals MVP and one of the best defenders of his era. Neutrals, I would say they're more neutral positive here because uh, the odds leader and the favorite is Rudy Gobert, but number two and three are these two players, which is Bam Adebayo at plus 650 and Draymond Green at plus 900. So they're both at the point in their careers where we pretty much know what we're getting from both of them, at least as far as a strictly basketball vantage point goes. Uh, I think that they're both terrific defenders. They have been for a few years now, and I can see why they're close to the top of the board and maybe not a bad bet. I know there are a lot of eyes on Draymond right now, but if the Warriors can get things resolved, he should be able to prove his value on defense once again for the defending champs. And the additional layer with that is he's playing for a contract, whether that is with the Warriors to re-sign him or possibly for another team to seek out some value in him. So you might get a little extra energy from Draymond. I know a lot of people are down on him right now with that incident, which I certainly won't defend, but he is one of the premier defenders in this league. And if the Warriors can really make things right and have honest forgiveness and a way to move past this, I think green is going to be someone who can prove his value on the defensive end. And, uh, bring what he has brought to this Warriors dynasty, which is an element of uniqueness at his position that has really made them so special. Sixth man of the year. Last year, this went to Tyler Hero of the Miami Heat, and that is my hot for this award. He's at plus 500, Tyler Hero, and here's why I like it. Well, Miami is one of the more stable situations in the NBA and hero excelled in that role last year enough to get paid. So why not run it back? The heat know what they are. They don't have to make any big changes right now. And I think Tyler hero is very comfortable in that role. I could see him winning this award. Once again, one of my knots would have to be Malcolm Brogdon. And you're going to see a pattern here, which is that the Celtics are a little bit too unpredictable right now. So for all we know, Brogdon could be inserted into the starting lineup if things are not going well, or on the other side of that, if it's more of a Kemba Walker situation, he could also struggle to fit into the rotation and spend more time on the bench than we expected. I think Malcolm Brogdon's an awesome player. I felt very confident in the Celtics when they made that trade, but because of recent developments, they're just a little bit unpredictable and Not a team I would want to throw any sort of money toward right now. It just feels a little bit too risky for me. A dark horse here is the Hawks Bogdan Bogdanovich. So it's a new look with DeJounte Murray for this lineup that could put the Hawks in contention for the East. And Nate McMillan figured this team out when he took over in the middle of the season two years ago. I believe he can do it again. I think plus 3,000 is great odds. I think the Hawks are a really intriguing team. And this is a team that clearly has been able to excel in the face of pressure and or loud environments. They won a series in five games, having to play three of those at Madison Square Garden. So I like Atlanta here. And I think Bogdan Bogdanovich is a great dark horse pick for this award. 
Got a handful of neutrals here for you. And the first one would be the odds favorite, Jordan Poole, at plus 475. Some of those odds are a little bit lower. I think for uh, FanDuel, it might be plus 425. So again, this is Caesar's Sportsbook right now, uh, just using that for consistency. So why I'm not as high on Jordan Poole as I am Tyler Hero for sixth man is a couple of reasons. One is that the Warriors like to play with their rotation a lot during the regular season, and especially now when they've got young prospects like Wiseman, Kaminga, and Moody, that they want to see play a lot of minutes and get the most out of them. So the rotation might just vary throughout the season. The second reason is that the stakes could be a little bit higher for a defending champ, more so than some of the other candidates. Overall, I don't think it's a bad bet to place. It's just not my first choice for the award. And if Clay Thompson is suffering any setbacks with uh, continuing to recover from these major injuries, we might see Poole in a little bit more of a starting role. Other couple of guys is Christian Wood at plus 1,000 for the Mavericks. Uh, Again, I don't think it's a bad pick. He's just on a new team, so I don't know how it's going to look. And then Cam Johnson on the Suns is at plus 2,500. I think Cam Johnson has been a terrific role player for Phoenix, and I think I could see him being a decent candidate for this award as well. So that is our sixth man. Let's talk about Rookie of the Year, and these odds are coming from Vegas Insider. So I have two hots for you. It's the favorite and number one pick in the draft, Paolo Banquero at plus 180, and then the Kings selection, Keegan Murray at plus 550. I think both of these players are going to immediately see an impact in uh, their teams. I think that they're going to be expected to play larger roles. I think that in the case, especially of Keegan Murray in Sacramento, you saw some fantastic play in the summer league, and it's possible that the adjustment period into the league might not be as steep as some people originally thought. So those are two names I really, really like. Uh, my knots, I really only have one knot here and it's somebody who's at plus 6,000. So you might be thinking, why is your knot someone who is such a long shot to win this award? And that's because I would never say anything bad about any of the rookies. This is just a clarification right here. So the Miami Heat have Nikola Jovic. So please do not confuse this six foot 11, 19 year old rookie for Miami with the two-time reigning MVP, Nikola Jokic. So like Denver's star player, Jovic is also from Serbia, and he's also a ball-handling big man. I was reading up on this guy. I got this fascinating article yesterday, and he said he took a while to grow as a kid, so he played a lot of guard growing up, and that's where all of his ball-handling and passing abilities come from. So while I wouldn't put any money down for Jovic to win the 2023 Rookie of the Year, just keep an eye out because we might have another MVP in the making here. Dark Horse is a guy that was drafted by a team in rebuild mode, and they've been in rebuild for a couple years now. That is Jalen Williams of the Oklahoma City Thunder at plus 3,300. So without Chet Holmgren playing this season, Jalen Williams could see a larger role on a team that is led by young talent. Here's the thing. Nobody has expectations for the Thunder, so the kid just gets to go out there and play. I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a surge in the second half of the season, as a lot of rookies do. And 
you know, being the team's second pick at number 12 overall, he's really now getting to be a shoe in for their top draft pick because of Chet Holmgren missing time. So I think there's great odds there on Jalen Williams for the Thunder. Uh, the only caution is that this is a team that may tank once again if it's not looking so pretty at the All-Star break and they have a chance at another top pick. So maybe that's a knock against the Thunder. But if this guy's on the floor, I'm excited to see what he can do. Jalen Williams is my dark horse. Neutrals, uh, let's talk about a couple of the top picks. So we got Jaden Ivey for the Pistons at plus 550. We got Jabari Smith at plus 600. And then we have Benedict Matherin at plus 1100. These were all lottery selections. Uh, both Ivy and Matherin are coupled with two talented guards in their backcourt. So time will tell whether that enhances or reduces their role as playmakers. But because the Pistons and Pacers are not juggernauts and the same could be said with the Houston Rockets, I think that a lot of these guys are going to have a chance to show what they got and might not be terrible picks either. But my main picks would be Keegan Murray, Paolo Banquero. And if you're looking for a little value, Jalen Williams of the Oklahoma City Thunder. All right, let's move into our last one, which is the most improved player. And we're going to use FanDuel odds here because the other ones actually didn't have their odds up at the time I looked. Last year, this award went to John Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies. And earlier, I said with this award that the player situation can be indirectly beneficial, but it's not a deal breaker. And what I meant by that is being around other great players can bring out the best in your game and highlight your most valuable assets. But you don't need to be on a title contender in order to compete for this award. So I have a couple hots for you. And the first one goes to Tyrese Halliburton at plus 1500. I like it because the Pacers don't necessarily have to be great for him to get noticed. It's an individual award. Nobody expects much from Indiana, but he's going into his third year and he's proven that he can play for real despite being on two teams already that have missed the playoffs. So he's averaged 14 points and nearly seven assists for his career. And what has stuck out to me most is that he shoots the ball efficiently, which is a sign of maturity from the young guard. Another guy I really like is someone we've referenced a couple times on previous episodes, and I'm surprised these odds can get such good value. That's Tyrese Maxey at plus 3,000. So I love these odds. Uh, the 76ers are set up for success. Maxey really started to shine and ascend in last year's playoffs, and the odds are better here than I would have expected. Like The kid's only 21 years old, and he could find himself playing heavy minutes alongside Joel Embiid and James Harden. So again, most improved doesn't have to be in a favorable situation, but it does help. And I think Tyrese Maxey would be a really fun bet for this award. My not is Jordan Poole at plus 4,200. So not crazy high odds or anything, but I really do not like it and would encourage people to steer clear here. Last year felt like his chance to win the award and he probably should have been a finalist. But he's a champion now. The stakes are higher. And for him to be in the conversation for most improved after the way he's already improved, going from guy in the G League to real piece that is 
uh, an important component of an offense on a championship team. I mean, if he improves that much to where he'd be in the conversation for most improved, he'd probably be getting some MVP discussions at that point. So he's not the primary focus on his team either. I don't love this most improved odds. I think that he's already improved a lot. He had his big ascension and people treat him like an up and coming star. Now, I think you can go elsewhere, probably with a little bit younger talent. My dark horse is Evan Mobley at 4,600. Mobley had a strong rookie campaign and Cleveland should theoretically be better than they were last year. Uh, He fills a role that's hard to replicate on the floor. Although His teammate Jarrett Allen does a lot of the same things well. Uh, The main reason I like this is because the odds are just not great and it would be a massive return on investment for even just a small bet. I think the Cavaliers would have to be a team that gets notice and a little bit of national attention for Mobley to be a contender for this award, but I really see it as a great dark horse. Some neutrals. Let's go with the odds favorite. That's Anthony Edwards. Uh, Really understandable as to why he's the top option here. I certainly don't disagree with it. And it's probably the smart play for a guy who averaged 21 points per game last year and whose team is going to need him to score. The only caution is that he's already established as a rising star. So I'm wondering if that will ultimately hurt his chances if one of these other guys has a breakout season. I think that... As great as Anthony Edwards is, it's almost dependent on how much these other people shine as to whether or not he will lock up most improved. Uh, Zion Williamson, another one at plus 1,600. I think the same could be said for Zion, whose expectations go beyond just winning most improved. And then we got three other guys, which is LaMelo Ball at plus 2,100, Jalen Brunson at plus 2,300, and Cade Cunningham at plus 3,300. So for these three, they have big breakout potential since their respective teams have invested a lot in them. Cunningham had a strong second half of his rookie season. Uh, Brunson made a splash in these last playoffs, and Ball will be searching for his first true all-star selection. And so I think those are three names to keep an eye out for. But again, my pick would probably be between Tyrese Halliburton and Tyrese Maxey. They share a name, but they can't share an award as only one of them could win it. Or maybe it'll be somebody else. Time will tell. But that was my rapid fire session of going over some odds for these awards. So that will wrap up this episode. Uh, If you were considering placing any bets for these season awards, I hope I was able to get the gears turning for you today and either get you to understand my thought process or maybe disagree with it either way. I hope I was able to guide some potential bets for you. And, um, you know, I appreciate you listening to this episode. So, you know, please help us out by rating, reviewing, subscribing, sharing with your basketball loving peers. Don't forget the NBA tip off next Tuesday. And uh, for any bets or games or storylines that interest you as a listener, you can find me on Twitter at Greg O. Silver to hit me with some suggestions. So catch you at the next episode and keep screaming.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.